0: This is Farmer's Kitchen with Spinneys
1: on Dubai Eye 103.8.
0: Hey there, this is Sonal standing in for Helen Farmer on Farmer's Kitchen today. We talked all things food. We started with the Jamaican Pavilion at Expo 2020 Dubai and learned all about their coffee and jerk chicken Plus, African cuisine. We got an expert from Spinney's to walk us through the different regions and what some of the highlights are across the continent. We also went down to Pickle to find out more about their Impossible plant-based burger. How does it taste? I'm going to give you the review. And we've also got the 11-year-old sensation from the Expo 2020 opening ceremony, Mira Singh.
2: You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen with Spinneys.
1: Only on Dubai Eye 103.8.
0: We are back with Afternoons with Helen Farmer, Sonal Rupani, standing in for Helen. Though we do have some good news about her climb up Kilimanjaro. We're going to let you hear that from her when she's back next week. For now, though, we're turning to Tiffany Eslick. She is the creative and content manager at Spinneys. Tiffany, thank you so much for joining us today.
2: Hi, pleasure.
0: Talking African cuisine today, because, you know, you think of Africa as a continent. It's got to be as varied in terms of the different types of cuisines as when people talk about Asian cuisine, for example. Talk to me a little bit about some of the differences in the different regions of the continent.
2: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You know, it is It's as diverse as it's people, as you said. Um, I think if you look at, let's say, North Africa, um, you know, that's going to have influences. If you look at Morocco or Tunisia or Algeria, it's going to have influences from Europe um, and the Mediterranean. Um, East Africa, I mean, way back, it's traditionally herdsmen that were there. So meat is probably absent, you know, from their diets, and it's going to be a lot of grains traditionally. Central Africa, you know, that was probably the last sort of cuisine to get, you know, it's, it's untouched. Um, so, plantain, cassava, quite a lot of exotic meats are probably still quite um, relevant there. West Africa is quite starchy and spicy. Um, I think goat features quite a lot and a bit of seafood on the coast. And then South Africa, when I'm from, um, you know, there's a lot of influences from the British, the Portuguese, the Dutch, um, the, from Malaysia, India. So, a real mixed bag there. Um, I think if you were really trying to look for a commonality in Africa, I would say that meat is less uh, sort of prevalent than, you know, plant-based was really um, important um, with a lot of sort of focus on grains and beans and fresh fruits and vegetables um, traditionally. Um, but, Yeah. That's how I'd sum it up very briefly.
0: It was a very comprehensive review of the whole continent. But, I mean, in terms of what's available here in the UAE, I I know that I grew up here. And aside from the one-off Ethiopian restaurants, perhaps, there hasn't been too much really to explore in the F&B scene, I felt. I mean, could you let us know what's out there in terms of any top highlights of restaurants people can go to or dining venues that you'd recommend? Yeah.
2: I think there's quite a lot of Moroccan places, you know, where I think you can get really good Moroccan food. Um, I think if you go down to, you know, like Dera, you're going to find probably some more interesting restaurants. But I'm kind of with you. I don't think there's anything that particularly stands out to me um, that shouts, you know, this is great African food. Um, and I think that's maybe it's a lack of research. Um, but yeah, I'd well, I'd love to know if anyone has any suggestions.
0: And barbecue is a big fixture as well. I mean, tell me a little bit more about the history of that.
2: Well, you know, I think um, cooking over live fire is obviously, you know, sort of evolved with humanity. And it's a huge thing in, in Africa. Um, I think it's going to differ again in the regions as to how people, I mean, essentially people are going to cook over wood or coals, you know. But they, I think the spice mixtures that maybe go on top of the meats as marinades or into the meats um, or how they, you know, how they treat dish- dishes, that's going to differ. Um, across across the continent.
0: And now, of course, we've talked about how varied the cuisines are. But are there certain spices that really stand out, or different Af- African cuisines that specifically rely on key spices?
2: Yeah, you know, for me, Ras al-Hanut is one of my favorite spices. Um, I first actually had it when I was living in London. I used to buy it from this adorable little spice uh, shop in Notting Hill. But it comes from Morocco, Tunisia, and Algeria. And it's it's quite a pungent spice, but it goes so well with um, red meat, with chicken. Um, I really like to experiment with it. Um, And then something that's also close to home is Mozambican peri-peri spice. Um, We've got a lot of that in South Africa. Um, Everyone will know it from now. You know, um, and that is a fiery hot. I mean, you can start with a sort of medium one and go super hot. Um, And that works super well with chicken, um, seafood, pretty much anything.
0: Now, let's talk about some of the recipes that you have in the Spinneys magazine this month. And you're going to have to help me a little bit with the pronunciation of this one. But uh, Bora Wars rolls. How do
2: you actually say it? (laughs) So, I mean, I'll, I'll I'll try and do my countrymen proud. So it's Buddha Vos Rolls, um, and that means farmer's sausage. So Buddha is, is farmer, and uh, Vos is sausage. Um, so that would come from, like, our Dutch influence um, in, in South Africa. Um, yeah, and it's, it's a spicy sausage, a beef sausage that's got a sort of coriander is probably the main thing in there, and then some nutmeg, but and a mix of spices, um, and it's super common in South Africa, so it will be at every single braai or barbecue, um, and we often just sort of cook it up while we're cooking other things on the barbecue, and then pass it around like snacks, um, or a big thing is to have it on a roll, like a hot dog, but... um, People might kill me if I say a burro was rolled a hot dog. <laughs> yeah.
0: I'm sure, and, and in terms of how the accompaniment to this, you are describing a monkey gland sauce and how to make it. Now, first, before we even get into this sauce, I need to ask about its wonderful name.
2: Yes. Okay. So there's, its name is hotly debated and there's a, like the series are quite sort of risque to where the name came from. I mean, there's absolutely no monkey glands in the north whatsoever. Um, it's actually, it's super popular, especially if you go to like a, a sort of a steakhouse in South Africa. Um, and it's, it's, made, it's a mix of like tomato sauce, Worcester sauce, chutney. Um, it's sort of Thick, tangy, sweet, quite dark in colour, um, and that you can put on uh, ribs, on steak, on, on burravos rolls, um, pretty much anything. Um, and yeah, it's it, you know we, we enjoy it quite a lot. I mean, traditionally we often just have like ketchup and um, mustard on a burravos roll, but we decided in the magazine to play with monkey gland and let people know about this you know weird and wonderful sauce. Um, it's super easy. It, it works well as a really great marinade. You know, if you if you leave something in, like ribs for a while overnight with that and then cook it up that's really good
0: and what's your special tip with preparing and grilling this dish is there anything to keep in mind specifically or tips how to make it a little bit better
2: yeah absolutely so always with meat like bring it down oh. to room temperature before putting it onto the barbecue you don't want cold meat on a hot barbecue because it's just going to contract and be really tough um, and the thing with boravos is you want it to be like really moist um, some people, I sort of say, like cremate it, and so it becomes really dry, and you don't want that. So yeah, you want it just before it's cracking, um, sort of splitting in half on the barbecue. That's when it's ready. Well, in my my idea, that's when it's ready.
0: And final question for you on this particular dish is: What's the difficulty level? So I have to admit, I'm not much of a cook myself. But for people picking up the Spinneys magazine, I mean, can you do this at beginner level? Is it a little bit more intermediate? Where would you place it?
2: Absolutely beginner level. You know, you can pick up your rolls. You pick up the bourrevos. We, you know, we have it here under the Spanish food label. Um It's got the amasi slaw that goes with it is essentially your slaw. But instead of using mayonnaise, um we've used amasi, which is like buttermilk. Um It's a sort of sour tasting milk that we have in South Africa. And that cuts through the richness of the meat. So it's just a nice twist. But you can, of course, just put mayonnaise. Um And monkey gland sauce is so easy to whip up. So, yeah super, super easy. And I think the kids could also get involved with this.
0: Tiffany, I do want to come back to another recipe that you have, but are you happy to stay on the line with us for just a few minutes?
2: Absolutely. Welcome back to Farmer's Kitchen with Spinney's. Eat well, live well. Only on Dubai Eye 103.8.
0: Good afternoon. You're listening to Afternoons with Helen Farmer, but Sonal covering for her today through the end of this week. And we're joined on the line now by Tiffany Eslick, the creative and content manager at Spinney's. And it's because we're talking all things African food, which is a focus in the Spinney's magazine this month. Tiffany, thanks so much for joining us once again. Hi,
3: yes,
0: of course. (laughs) Now, we've been talking about some of the recipes that have been featured in the magazine, and I want to focus in a little bit more on that Amasi slaw that's mentioned in one of the recipes. Tell me a little bit about how this is different from what people would consider coleslaw, which might be more familiar to them.
2: Yeah, so essentially it's just the dressing that's going over the slaw that's different. So you'd usually put mayonnaise, you know, for example, or yogurt with lemon juice. So um, amasi is kind of like buttermilk or a sour milk that we have in South Africa. You can buy it in sort of grab-and-go drink cartons. Um, people use it in scone mixtures um, to make cakes, all, all sorts of things, so whatever you essentially would use buttermilk for. Um, and it works really, really well with savory dishes. So what we did was use amasi... Um, you know, to make the sauce for the slaw. It just gives it a sort of real tanginess to it and it will help cut through the richness of the meat um, on the boravos rolls.
0: And another recipe that you have featured in the magazine are the shito-rubbed grilled chicken with jollof rice. Uh, First of all, which region is this commonly prepared in?
2: Well, so shito comes from Ghana. Um, you know, it's a really sort of spicy, peppery sauce. Um, it can have quite a sort of funky flavor um, because it often has dried fish. We went for a more sort of subdued version. Um, but then jollof rice comes is made in Nigeria. It's made in Ghana. Um, there's often a lot of sort of contention about that, like who has the best jollof rice. But actually, um, its origins date back to like Senegal in the 1300s. Um, so, yeah, really interesting historic rice dish.
0: What is jollof rice? Is it a different... I've never actually heard of it before.
2: Yeah, so it's sort of like a spicy, warm rice um, and you have it with... It's got tomatoes in it as well Um, and, you know, you usually have it warm, but you can... I've had it cold a few times, and you add in, like, fresh peppers, fresh tomatoes, and that sort of really, like, brings it alive. But essentially, kind of like warm rice with onions, vegetable olive oil, a bit of chili, um, and then tomato and stock and that sort of thing.
0: Okay, and talk me through a little bit more about the preparation of this particular dish.
2: Um, pretty easy as well. And we, we try to go with easy to medium recipes, throughout our magazine. So basically you're going to make your shito spice, um, which is there's certain ingredients. You're just going to sort of put pop them all together and make that then marinade your chicken, um, and then make the rice on the side. I think the big thing here is that we've gone with a spatchcock chicken. And I think that sort of freaks people out sometimes because they think like if they can't buy a ready spatchcock chicken, what are they going to do? Um, and it's super easy to prepare. You just, you basically just need some poultry scissors, if you have those, or a super-sharp knife. And you're going to place your chicken breast down, cut along the backbone, then remove it, and then flip the chicken over. And then using your hands, really press firmly and sort of crack. You'll hear a crack, and then you can flatten out the chicken. Um, and because we, you know, you don't want to waste anything, the backbone is really great in stocks or, you know, putting it into a a soup or a stew.
0: I have to admit, I'm not familiar with spatchcock chicken either. Cooking is maybe not one of my strong suits. Can you describe (laughs) a little bit to me what this is?
2: So it's sort of, it's your butterfly chicken. So, um... They, it works really well. It's sort of a quick way to cook chicken if you're going to roast it or put it on the barbecue. Um, but it's like kind of like flattened out chicken. I'm, mm. I'm sure you've seen it. Um, yeah, it sort of looks butterflied, okay. the best way I can describe it. Yeah.
0: And you said chito is quite spicy. Is this something that you can make a milder version of for people that aren't big into heavy spice?
2: Absolutely. Um, the thing with chilies is... When you're using them, you remember the sort of veins and the seeds are the are going to give the heat, right? So you can always just scrape those out, or keep a few depending on the heat levels that you want. Um, and and then yeah, so you can have no seeds, just put in the outer side of the chili, and then it will be a lot less spicy. Um, the thing, chilies, something to remember is that they they differ. So one day you might buy a red chili, and then you'll go back but it could be more hot or less hot because of the seasons and how much water the chilies have been exposed to. They're quite, you know, It's quite an interesting thing, the way chilies grow. So, yeah, it's just sort of experimenting, um, but definitely take those seeds out.
0: Tiffany, thank you so much for your time. I'm hoping this will inspire people to, you know, if they aren't familiar with different types of African cuisine, to actually explore a little bit more with it. So thank you so much for walking us through that. Of
2: course. Happy cooking this
0: weekend. <laughs> That's Tiffany Eslick, creative and content manager at Spinney's.
1: This is Farmer's Kitchen with Spinney's on Dubai Eye 103.8.
0: Good afternoon and happy Thursday. We've made it to the end of the week. It's Farmer's Kitchen and I'm Sonal taking over while Helen Farmer is away. She will be back with us next week, though. Now, here's a little song to get you in the mood for our next interview. It's one you'll hear a lot of if you go to Jamaican Pavilion down at Expo 2020 Dubai. We definitely heard a lot of Bob Marley. when Z and I were down there yesterday. We're going to be hearing from them in just a few moments. Morning Very first thing that hit me about being down at the Jamaican Pavilion yesterday at Expo 2020 Dubai. It was our first time broadcasting there at our studios. We'll be down there every single Wednesday checking out some of the different pavilions and bringing you different insights from what's going on at Expo Dubai. Now, really enjoyed the vibe and uh, Zena got me doing some silly things at the Jamaican Pavilion as well. So there's a video that's going to be posted on the Dubai Eye Instagram that'll give you a bit of a look inside into that pavilion. Now, while we were there, I had the opportunity to speak to Essie Gardner. She is a commissioner of the Jamaica Pavilion at Expo 2020. She gave me a little tour, and we spoke about some of the highlights.
1: Oh, it's a very cool pavilion. Once you come in, the music alone just sets you in a vibe, a kind of party vibe, but also one that says we mean business. The top experiences for me is the fact that we have daily coffee tastings. Jamaica's Blue Mountain Coffee is perhaps the most expensive and rare coffee in the world, and we're serving that to people. You also have the opportunity to listen to a bespoke selection of reggae music. Uh, there are three three files of music that you can listen to, and these are all Jamaican musicians. I think that's a wonderful experience. People tend to like it. And we also have the opportunity to use technology to find your way around the pavilion and to learn interesting facts about Jamaica.
0: Let's start with the music and go into that a little bit more in depth because when people think about reggae, often there's Bob Marley that comes to mind. But I think for a lot of people, you don't know too much more than that. Tell me some of your favorite musical artists when it comes to Jamaican artists that you know people might be able to learn a little bit more about at the Jamaican pavilion.
1: Jamaica's music has gone through a whole evolution so we you will find information about ska dancehall reggae lovers rock i like the lovers rock kind of music it's easy to listen to it sets you in a mood and you you want to just chill and have fun my favorite, hmm, it depends on the time of day, but I know a lot of people like Beanie Man. They're familiar with Beanie Man. I know a lot of people are familiar with Maxi Priest. There is Shaggy. There's Sean Paul. There is Etana. There is, there's so many. Protégé is one of my personal favorites. Chronic's is an absolutely fabulous musician. So there, any of the Marleys. You know, I'm not even going to just mention Bob Marley, but any of the Marleys will give you value for money, you know. So there are so many musicians that we could talk about and, and which you will find in the Jamaica Pavilion.
0: And one of the special features as well, as you mentioned, is the coffee. And it's one of the most expensive coffees in the world. Tell me a little bit more about it. Also, why does it
1: have such a prestige? The Jamaican Blue Mountain coffee is rare because... You can only be called 100% Blue Mountain Coffee if you are grown, if the coffee beans are grown in a particular area of the island. It must be above 2,000 feet, so it's cool, the temperature is controlled, so it's rare. The blend is a sweet, fruity flavor, and it There's very little bitterness in the coffee, so it's always smooth going down. And so people tend to use it as a blend, as a base for other brands. But true 100% Jamaica Blue Mountain coffee, just right. It hits the right spot.
0: I know there's a lot of coffee connoisseurs in town, coffee specialists. Can people actually purchase this coffee at the pavilion? How can they get their hands on some?
1: We do have 100% Blue Mountain coffee here at the Pavilion for sale. We have two sizes that are for sale, the 4-ounce ground and roasted coffee or the 8-ounce package. So it's available here. I believe it's just over 40 dirhams, maybe 41, 42 dirhams for the 4-ounce and maybe about 80 dirhams for the 8-ounce, but it's available here. And we got
0: to talk about the food because walking through the pavilion, I saw an actual grill. So I understand you're going to be offering up some jerk chicken. Tell me about that.
1: Yeah. Well, food is a part of us. We truly enjoy food. And one of the two of the things, items that we will be showcasing here, three actually, Aki and saltfish, which is our national dish. We can't serve it in the pavilion because. It needs to be served immediately. It is cooked, but it is available in one of the restaurants here on site. Then we have jerk chicken. And yes, you are referencing the the jerk pan. We will have tastings of jerk chicken at least beginning, middle of October. Once a month, we will have jerk chicken tastings. And we also have patties, which I'm very, very fortunate to have a Jamaican restaurant in town who will provide us with... um, Patties every so often for us to do tastings. there's beef patty, chicken patty and and vegetable Kalaloo patties, so that's available as well, and we will have tastings in the pavilion from time to time.
0: Incredible. It sounds like it's going to be a party down here. Thank you so much Essie
1: You know it is said that we know how to have fun, whether it is at the Olympics, whether it is at some other games. I mean, which other tropical country do you know that's going to try to enter a winter sport? <laughs> You know, Jamaicans are bold in our thoughts. We are bold in our thoughts and we bring it to the party. So you're going to come, you're going to have fun, you're going to learn a lot about the country, but you're also going to see investment opportunities. That's us
0: genuinely had a great time down there. I would recommend you checking out the Jamaican Pavilion. Listen, there are a lot of pavilions that have a lot of high-tech things going on right now. I think what really stood out to me about the Jamaican Pavilion, it just was feel good when you walked in there. Let us know if you've been down to Expo 2020 about some of your top experiences. We'd love to hear from you. We're also getting a lot of messages in from people about where you wish you'd rather be and what you'd like to be eating. Isabella said, I wish I were in London eating Bakewell tarts. Uh, We've got another one from Claire who says, I wish I was in Melbourne eating Suvlaki in Lunsdale Street. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen with Spinneys.
1: Only on Dubai Eye
0: 103.8. This is Sonal Zina in for Farmer's Kitchen, in for Helen Farmer, of course. Now we're going to turn to a person who has been basically the talk of the town over the past week. It's been just about a week since Expo 2020 officially opened and we had that Brilliant opening ceremony. We're very excited to keep going back to the site over the next six months, but it's it's been a really wonderful opportunity for the whole world to meet 11-year-old Mira Singh. She's become an overnight sensation after her performance on Thursday evening. She joins us now over at Microsoft Teams. Mira, can you hear us?
4: Yes, I can.
0: Brilliant, thank you so much for coming on to chat today. First of all, congratulations on such an incredible performance. I mean, how are you feeling now that it's had a week to all settle in? My life has
4: changed since then.
0: And tell me a little bit more about that. How would you say your life has changed?
4: Like about the famous and like in school, how they treat me now and outside. How has it
0: changed exactly for you in school? I mean, how? what kind of reaction and response have all of your friends, your teachers, your family had to this amazing event?
4: Yeah, my relatives have uh, told everyone about me, and uh, the school is very proud of me mostly.
0: And now I understand you have quite a background in all sorts of different kinds of performance that you've been interested in dance as well for a really long time. How did you start to get, how did you even become involved with this expo event? Did you have to apply and audition? What was the process like for you to enter?
4: I had an audition and a lot of kids participated in it. Uh, I don't know exactly how much, but from those, they picked three people and I was one of them.
0: So how did you feel when you were finally selected as the person to represent on that stage at Expo 2020?
4: I was really shocked and amazed, but I've always known Expo 2020 is gonna happen, and I was always curious what's gonna happen in it.
0: And tell me a little bit more about the rehearsals that you had to go through, because I'm guessing you had to juggle the rehearsals with your school commitments. How did that work out for you?
4: Well, it was uh, tiring at first, but then I got used to it because I had rehearsals for only 25 days. And uh, I asked them to make my rehearsals after school so that I can manage both.
0: Okay, and tell me what it felt like when you finally... It's one thing to do, you know, a long time of rehearsals and do dress rehearsals, but when it's showtime and the lights come on and there's a live audience there of that many people. What does that feel like? Were you nervous?
4: I was nervous backstage, but when I was already on stage and in the moment, in the present, I was mostly confident.
0: And what was your own favorite part of participating in this?
4: Uh, That I have such a big opportunity. And I've always wanted to be an actor and a modeling, and uh, yeah, it gives me a lot of capability of knowing how, what I can do and what I can't do.
0: Is there somebody that you met that you were very excited about at the event?
4: Yes, there was. There was uh, Andre Day, Andre Bocelli, Lang Lang are my idols, and Ellie thing.
0: What were they all like? What did you ta- What did you ask them?
4: They were really nice. I asked them about their career because I also love to sing. And,
0: you know, you obviously have such a bright future ahead of you. What are you looking forward to doing? I mean, what are your specific interests with regards to performance?
4: Uh, I think movies. I really love performing on stage, though. But my biggest dream is movies.
0: Any kinds of movies that you'd like to be in?
4: Just the ones that
5: are going to be successful. Just the ones that are going to be successful. I love that. I love it. Just the blockbusters, please, no less. Uh, hi, Mira. <laughs> this is Zena. You said you—you know—you—you told people how the ex—this expo opening ceremony, uh, being an overnight star, has changed your life. Um, you know, you ha- your friends and family. Uh, you've told Sono that they treat you differently now, but your dad has said that the fact that you're being recognized everywhere also has its challenges tell us about that
4: yeah i do because if i go to malls and one person starts saying because they know me and they want to take a picture with me then all the others sees them and then they they're sure that yeah that's the girl from expo so they also come in and do the photos
0: and what do you say to your fans how do you interact with them
4: I, of course, allow them because I really love being famous.
5: Well, Mira, when you're a Hollywood star, you're going to have to get used to that. There will be paparazzi everywhere and TMZ will hound you. Um, But I just want to know, how are you planning to continue your performing? Uh, Do you want to focus on acting, on dancing, on modeling? Uh, Yeah. What are your plans?
4: Um, I'm not really sure for now. But I think I'm going to continue with dancing and my piano and my singing for sure.
0: Mira, thank you so much for joining us. We wish you all the best. You have, as we said, a very bright future ahead of you. You have so much talent. And there's a reason that people have really resonated with seeing you and appreciated your performance there. So wish you all the best of luck for your future. And congratulations once again. Thank you. That was the voice there of 11-year-old Mira Singh. So so, um, mature. Yes, I know. She knows what she wants. So she's always been
5: uh, focused on the arts, acting, singing, and she's only 11.
0: Yeah, I loved also how with movies, which movies? <laughs> Blockbusters. The successful ones. She know no, that B-movie thingy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No artsy independent house there. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai i
2: 103.8.
0: Good afternoon. Welcome back to Afternoons with Helen Farmer. It is Sonal Rupani standing in for Helen Farmer today and I'm feeling really lucky to be covering for this show because right now I'm in Pickle in JLT having a big fat burger with Simon Ritchie, Strategy Director at Pickle, as well as Ashley Griffiths, Chief Licensing Officer of Pickle as well. I'm going to start with Simon. Good afternoon.
6: Uh, Good afternoon. Thank you for joining us here at Pickle.
0: Thank you so much. And Ashley, thanks for joining us.
6: Thank you. Nice to have you here.
0: Wonderful. Now, there's only one place to start because you have both just seen my reaction to trying your impossible meat burger. Tell me a little bit about this item and why you've decided to add it to your menu.
6: As you said, from the reaction that you had, it's, it's an absolutely incredible piece of technology, to be honest. Uh, the Impossible Burger, for those who don't know, is a, a plant-based patty that's uh, from uh, Impossible Meats in California. Um, and the quality of it is just incredible. Um, as you experienced, it's almost impossible to distinguish between actual beef. Um, so that is basically the main reason why we had to add it to the, to the menu here at Pickle. Our founder, owner Steve, um, has been after this brand for years because you know, we really wanted to offer our customers that plant-based option and there's no one else in the world that does it as well as impossible.
0: And you know, our listeners of course didn't see my reaction, but I took a bite of this burger not really knowing what to expect. I have to say it looked just like the burger that you guys ate across the table, just visibly. It looked exactly the same and I was speechless for a good 10 seconds or so, because I thought, what am I eating? I've actually just started a plant-based diet that I'm dipping my toe in the water. I'm not calling myself vegan yet, but just trying one out. It's been about three weeks or so. And I could not believe that what I was eating was plant-based. And Ashley... Tell me a little bit more about why you decided to go down this route with Impossible Burgers. Because there are so many different options when it comes to catering to a vegan audience and customer base. You could, you know, a lot of people do the portobello mushroom thing where you keep it quite vegetable-based. There's also different alternative meat substitutes. So why did you choose impossible? It's
7: Good question. I think um, it's important and we notice the trends of uh, and popularity of plant-based meat. And plant-based meat is something that we've always had on our menu. And it's part of our trifecta of, of chicken, beef and plant-based. But as Simon said, uh, our owner, Steve, has, has really been after this brand for a long time. And it's clearly the best plant-based product, in our opinion, globally. So when they were decided to come to the market, we wanted to make sure we were first because we're super passionate about it. Why are we passionate about it? Because it looks, tastes, and feels exactly like meat. This is a plant-based product for meat eaters. And that is super important to us. And the reaction that you gave, which we're super proud to see, and we're, we're happy when we see that reaction, is exactly why and justifies why we've brought it into the market
0: right and you know in addition to your impossible burger that we wanted to talk about we also have our food roundup that we do on this show and we have a couple stories that we wanted to talk through and one of my big questions for you first of all is expo 2020 dubai i don't know if have either of you made it down there yet
6: i haven't made it yet some of my friends have been down it looks absolutely incredible um, I think it's a real kind of shining moment for Dubai that they've managed to pull this off, especially under the hardships that have occurred over the past couple of years. Uh, But they've pulled through and it looks absolutely fantastic.
0: And being in the F&B industry, though, I'm sure you're excited about some of the food options. Have you scouted out any things that you're particularly excited to try down there at the venue?
6: Um, Yeah, you know, I think, um, we have the best of the entire world has made its way to Expo. Uh, obviously, Pickle, we have our outlet at Time Out Market, and uh, one of our colleagues there, uh, Hatton Matter, he will be, um, he's, has an outlet at Expo where he'll be um, serving up his famous brisket and a whole host of other meats, uh, which is fantastic to see. Um, and, and I think that's kind of what this is all about, is Expo by itself is just going to bring so many people to the city that it's going to benefit the entire F&B industry, not just those who are actually at Expo itself. Um, As I mentioned, Time Out Market, I think that's a place that's done fantastic over the past year, but really it was built for tourists, and now you have so many tourists coming into the city, um, they're going to all flock to Time Out Market, where where the best of uh, Dubai's homegrown um, F&B operators are all located, and I'm sure they'll take advantage of that. So yeah, I think Expo overall is just such a huge boost for Dubai's culinary scene.
0: I know one thing I'm very excited about is there is an African food hall specifically to try different kinds of African food and I think it's a certain type of cuisine or cuisines I should say obviously with the different regions that we don't really see as much here in the F&B scene in the UAE also the Jamaican pavilion that's somewhere that Zena and myself managed to get down to yesterday when we were on site and I know that they're going to be offering up some jerk chicken as well as some amazing Jamaican patties really excellent coffee down there as well.
2: You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen with
1: Spinneys. Only on Dubai Eye 103.8.
0: Welcome back to Afternoons. Sonal Rupani in for Helen Farmer today. And I'm down at Pickle. I've been trying the Impossible Burger. And I can't emphasize to you enough how much I can't believe that I'm eating a plant-based burger meal here Uh, it is something that we've been talking about so far on this show but I want to bring you guys back into the conversation I'm with Ashley Griffiths chief licensing officer at Pickle as well as Simon Ritchie the strategy director at Pickle and Ashley as somebody who's been working at Pickle for a while I know it's one of my favorite places to get a burger especially before I went plant-based how often do you find yourself eating lunch here
7: It's a great question and uh, quite often because I'm fortunate enough to entertain people here and I like to see their reactions of trying all our products. More so recently with the launch of Impossible, I'm enjoying seeing people's reaction to the fact that it's plant-based and not meat. But yeah, in answer to your question without trying to avoid it, I probably pickle at least once every two days and uh, I'm happier for it.
0: That is ambitious. Once every two days is impressive, but brand loyalty there. All right, we want to get back to our food news roundup because there are a couple more stories that have been making headlines that I want to talk to you about. For one, have you heard of M&M bringing real mom spaghetti to the public over in the U.S.? Anybody a fan?
6: Yeah, oh, listen, M&M is an absolute uh, a legend and an absolute hero of mine. Um, but I kind of have to question this the the mom spaghetti brand. I mean. He's naming his brand after a lyric, which is, there's vomit on my sweater already, mom's spaghetti. I'm not sure that I want to link my brand to someone's vomit. Eminem's, um, M&M, as I said, he's an absolute legend. He's went for it. Uh, best of luck. I'm sure if anyone's going to do it right, it will be him. Uh, it's just a very interesting choice. Uh, I, saw, I saw some press shots of him handing out um, some orders to, to customers. Uh, Which is good to see him getting in the kitchen and doing it. I know here at Pickle, um, we make everyone, like Ashley and myself, everyone has to work in the kitchen for four full weeks uh, alongside the staff, doing full shifts, yeah, before you even start your your proper position. So you get a real feel for the brand and for what the people who actually make Pickle what it is are doing. You know, without them, you wouldn't have a job. You guys wouldn't get to try this lovely Impossible Burger if it wasn't for them. Um, So I think that's something that really, really makes a brand stand out. And I hope Eminem, I hope Mr. Mathers is in the kitchen every single day with his staff. uh, them making his mom spaghetti.
0: Okay, I need to know what that experience was like for both of you actually being in the kitchen because you do work in more corporate roles. So, how'd that go for you?
6: Um, being completely honest, it was tough. It's hard. What these guys do, what these guys and girls do, is, is unbelievable. It's So hardworking, uh, so talented. Uh, I mean, one of the good things about Pico is that, well, we are, you know, we're a fabric of the communities around here. We're, we are very popular, but the problem with that could be when you're in the kitchen and the orders just keep coming and you just want a break, you just want to relax, and it just doesn't happen. Uh, it's very hard work. Honestly, I was on my feet, you know, ten hours a day, breading chicken, um, flipping impossible burgers. Um, but honestly, it was very, very. Enjoyable, and I think it's a really good way to connect with the team to have that empathy and, and understand exactly what everyone's going through. Would I do it again? Probably not. It's extremely challenging. Although we do have a company policy, as every year the staff have to go in for a week and do another shift of a week in the kitchens again, just to keep that connectedness with the brand.
0: Brilliant. Now I want to get to one more story. We were talking a little bit about Squid Game off air. Anybody checked it out yet? Because I have to say I have not. It's been described a lot as like Saw. And that does not sound appealing to me whatsoever. Um, but Simon, it seems like you've actually watched an episode or two of this.
6: Yeah, I, um, I checked out one episode. Essentially, one of our, our marketing team here at Pickle, um, uh, Sheetal, came up to me and said, Simon, you know, we, there's these memes about Squid Game are everywhere. We need to get on this. This is the hot topic. I watched it. Gee, It's it's dark. I think about 400 people die in the first episode. Um, so I think like, is this something we want to be making memes about? I'm not entirely sure. But, you know, there's actually a bit of a food-based storyline in it as well with this um, boga cake that um, is very popular. And we did a meme based on that uh, for Pickle, and it, it did fantastic. It was shared very widely. Um, so shit was correct and Squid Game apparently is the thing to talk
2: about.
0: Ed, do you have any interest in actually trying to make this Dalgona candy because Dalgona coffee was a real trend I want to say like 2 years ago or so. And when I've looked at a couple of the links online it looks like just pure sugar that's been melted. Is I mean am I missing something here? What what is this other than just sort of caramel?
6: I honestly I'm not sure exactly what it is I can I think I'm not speaking out of turn to say we don't have any plans to put it on the pickle menu just yet. Uh, apologies, Squid Game fans, perhaps if the popularity keeps up. Um, but no, from what I've heard, it's extremely popular kind of childhood sh- treat in Korea, which is is getting a bit of a resurgence thanks to Squid Game. So that's that's great to see. I know there's plenty of sweets from my childhood that I would love to come back again. So no, um, good luck to all Dagoda fans out there.
0: Thank you so much, Simon.
6: Thank you so much for having me.
0: And Ashley, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. I have to say, it was great going down to Pickle this morning and chatting with those guys at the Impossible Burger. I know I said it earlier. I just couldn't. Really wrap my. I was speechless for a few seconds there because it was just so different from what I was expecting. Mm -hmm. I don't know exactly what I was expecting, but definitely it felt a little bit like a sausage patty. That's what it tasted like. And the actual um, makeup of it, it's really reliant on soy protein. Okay. Which I like the sort of taste and texture of soy, but they they have done so much work in terms of um, figuring out how to mimic. Meat, And I haven't really been craving meat, Uh so I'm happy to do, let's say, a portobello mushroom to get that meaty flavor without actually having something that's a meat substitute. I'd never really thought about it till today, but certainly as I'm on this journey and sort of experimenting with going plant-based, I think eventually I'll have a meat craving, and this seems like a really good substitute. So I wholeheartedly recommend the Impossible Burger at Pickle. Now, Zina, we've been getting so many messages in for our competition today.
5: Yes, you'd rather be where eating what? Uh, A lot of you texted in. uh, One of you said, I wish I were in Amsterdam eating stroop waffles and waffles. I love this place, the food and the
0: people. Oh, lovely. That sounds so good. Afia has also said, I wish I was in Istanbul eating menamen. That's a Turkish spread right oh, now which okay. I ha- i'm not familiar with but i'm gonna check out um Suleman as well wish i was in ministry of crab in sri lanka having a oh, giant ooh. crab you've really got us thinking here z of, of escapism <laughs> trying to get out you're th- making me think about my next holiday for this <laughs> all of you
5: driving in your cars or sat at your desk at 2:30 p.m where would you rather be what would you rather eat Welcome back to Farmer's Kitchen with Spinneys.
7: Eat well, live well.
2: Only on Dubai Eye
0: 103.8. Today, we're getting straight into this because we're talking about eating for a healthier brain.
2: You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen with Spinneys.
1: Only on Dubai Eye 103.8.
0: I am happy to say we are joined on the line by Samar Buantun, a clinical dietitian at Right Bite. Samar, how are you doing?
3: Hi, I'm fine. How are you?
0: Good, thank you. I'm really looking forward to getting into this conversation because it's something people don't often discuss. Usually when you talk about your diet, about your eating habits, you're thinking about weight loss or muscle gain or something related to your physique. But
3: I think most people
0: don't really think about how our diet is affecting our brain health. I mean, how much of an impact is this really having?
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huge, huge impact. (laughs) Healthy eating is actually essential for uh, brain health and mainly for our memory, mood, and focus. The brain, as we know, uses more than 20% of our caloric needs. So when we eat healthy food and the right amount of calories, we give our body the energy needed to stay awake. So this means having the energy to concentrate on information, which can simulate the brain and improve learning outcomes.
0: And give me a little bit of a sense of physiologically how that works. I mean, what are some of the important nutrients or things that we need to get out of our diet to support a better brain health and brain function? Yeah,
3: yeah, 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 definitely. First, we, uh, we all know that our brain cells use glucose, so glucose is the main, uh, I would say, nutrient for our brain, and along of along actually with glucose, we need uh, we need antioxidants and uh, we need protein and good source of fat. So when we talk about antioxidants, we look uh, more on including more blueberries, more oranges, broccoli, dark chocolate, turmeric. And when it comes to uh, food rich in protein, and uh, that can can be as well uh, rich, uh, a good source actually of fat, of healthy fat, then we, we think about fish, eggs, and nuts.
0: I always think of walnuts because they look like little brains.
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. For, uh, walnuts are actually... The top nut for brain health, because they have a significantly high concentration of DHA. DHA is a type of omega-3, which is a fatty acid. And among other things, DHA has been shown to protect brain health in uh, newborns, improve cognitive performance in adults, and prevent or ameliorate age-related cognitive decline. So it's really, really, really important to include walnuts uh, in our uh, diet plans.
0: And now we've talked about some of the specific food items that are positive for your brain health. And I think a lot of those are the ones people would have expected, just the idea of good, healthy eating. And it's a lot of those kinds of foods. But how do foods have a negative impact on our brain health? Are there any things that really are getting in our way, perhaps?
3: Sorry, I I didn't hear your voice. Can you repeat? Is there any specific
0: food that's basically hindering or getting in the way of a positive brain health that's having a negative impact instead?
3: Yeah, 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 for sure. Actually, when we talk about brain health, we always uh, recommend to limit as much as we can refined sugar, refined carbohydrates, artificial sweeteners, processed foods, you know, these are high in saturated fats, trans fats, etc. So these are, I would say, the most uh, toxic food for our brain.
0: But what are those? I mean, I think we all know that those foods aren't good for us. But what are they specifically doing to the brain?
3: Yeah, actually, they are. uh, These kinds of food plays major play major role in reducing our focus, reducing our memory, uh, reducing our brain performance uh, and function.
0: now, as we talk about some of the positive foods as well that you've mentioned, a question that I've always had is, are we eating enough of these in quantity for them to make a real difference? Because you hear a lot about foods that are good for you, but then sometimes mm-hmm. studies show that actually we're not consuming enough of it in volume. You know, having a handful of blueberries, for example, does it is it really enough to make a difference or an impact? What does the mm-hmm. research suggest on the quantities that we need to be eating?
3: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, unfortunately, not all of us are fo- are focusing now on including these foods, and uh, here comes our role as dietitians to address this point of including uh, uh, these more of these foods. So when it comes, let's say, uh, to including blueberries or including nuts or including, uh, let's say, broccoli, literally, yeah, a handful of blueberries or a handful of walnuts or let's say two to three uh, squares of dark chocolate, one orange a day uh, are enough for us to really give us all the nutrients that our brain needs.
0: You know, you were mentioning chocolate there. I want to talk about chocolate, Mm. but also caffeine. Are these a help or are these a hindrance? Because people debate whether coffee is good for you or not. What is your take on that?
3: Yeah, I'm personally a coffee lover. And I believe that everything we eat or drink in moderation, even chocolate will not have a negative impact on our body. Caffeine sharpens concentration, increase alertness and improve our mood. So let's try to uh, not to exceed 400 milligrams of caffeine a day, uh, which can be two, two cups of coffee or three cups of any black tea or green tea, or maybe like uh, 40 to, 30 to 40 grams of dark chocolate. We can definitely include it in our diet.
0: I feel relieved hearing that. <laughs> <What> about, <laughs> yeah. A lot of people will use the caffeine specifically because of that slump that you get in the middle of the afternoon, often post-lunch, feeling a bit drained by mid-afternoon or a little bit sleepy, sitting at work. Is yeah. there a way that the timings or the type of diet can avoid this somehow?
3: Yeah, yeah. actually a type of diet, no, but definitely I can give you some tips what to do to avoid this um You know this uh, feeling, this uh, to feel tired actually after any uh, big meal. So let's try to eat smaller meals and snack every few hours. Keep our meal light and varied in terms of carbs, protein, fat. We can maybe go for a walk after lunch or after dinner so it helps with digestion. Uh, it's recommended as well to choose low-fat meals and don't overdo sugar. This is very, very important. And, yeah, you can get a caffeine boost after lunch. So it can give you, it can give you actually um, some energy.
0: Do you have any specific advice for people who are plant-based or vegan? This has become such a growing trend recently. In fact, on this show earlier, we were talking about meat alternatives. I mean, are there certain things specifically that you should keep in mind, perhaps, uh, you know, anything your brain is deprived of from not eating, as you mentioned, fish is something that's very healthy. Are there certain Mm -hmm. substitutes that are good?
3: yeah 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 for sure plant-based people are actually lucky when it comes to brain boosted food because where uh, all of uh, you know, a, a lot of antioxidants are in uh, plant-based food when it comes to vegetables beans fruits uh, green leafy vegetables etc but the thing is with protein uh, based food like fish or meat or eggs etc so here they can just keep an eye on their b12 uh, uh, b12 they can be supplemented actually with B12, and uh, they should always keep an eye on their calcium uh, levels, because if they are totally vegan, they might, uh, you know, lack a little bit of calcium in their diet.
0: You know, talking about supplements, I mean, vegans aside, just across the board now, what would you recommend? Because I know when I walk into one of those health stores, there's so many options of what you can have, and they all purport to be good in different ways. But how do you kind of manage and understand which supplements are right for you? What's the best approach to this?
3: Yeah, thank you, Zena, for bringing up this question, actually, because taking supplements nowadays are really is really a trend so uh taking supplements should be really really personalized and depend on the individual's lifestyle and deficiencies let's say a person is vegan yeah they should take b12 they should take calcium iron etc but If we don't really have a deficiency, then why should we take a supplement? I always believe that a variety and healthy meal plan can be more than enough, can be uh, totally beneficial to really get all the vitamins and minerals that our body needs.
0: You know, another topic that's been really interesting, I think, lately is people are addressing specific issues like anxiety or depression, for example, and how Mm. your gut health is actually linked to that. I mean, how can you eat yeah. in a way to actually improve your mental health in terms of mental disorders um, and yeah. and make sure that your gut health is not impacting that in a negative way?
3: Yeah, sure, amazing question actually. A troubled antitine zina can send signals to the brain just as troubled brain can send signals to the gut, therefore a person or intestinal distress can be the cause of anxiety, stress, or depression. That's because the brain and the gastrointestinal system are intimately connected. And as I always say, our gut is our second brain. So um, I'd love here to give you some tips how to really take care of your gut health. First, let's be active. And when I say be active, is not necessarily going to the gym or doing this extreme uh, sports but actually we can just do it by increasing our daily steps second we can uh, we should drink plenty of water we should definitely reduce our uh, reduce stress our daily stress sleep well and here we should sleep between 6 to 8 hours Eat fermented food, fermented foods like yogurt pickles, sampe kombucha are really ha- are really good for our uh, microbiota and here I want to highlight one thing about actually uh probiotics we should as well include uh, probiotics in our diet that can come from these foods, yoghurt, pickles, sample, kombucha, and others, definitely other types of food. We should eat foods that are rich in polyphenols like cocoa, blueberries, almonds, green tea, grapes, and broccoli. And definitely keep our food high in vegetables, fruits, and beans. So these foods are really, uh, really, you know, uh, beneficial for our gut health. And when we include it, we will their impact on our mental health
0: wonderful samar bu antun thank you so much for joining us today and giving us those practical tips
3: thank you thank you so much thank you (laughs) Have, have a great weekend you
0: too enjoy your weekend thank you samar is a clinical dietitian at right bite if you want to find out more you can definitely look her up